I'm stupid, you're smart, I was wrong, you're right, you're the best, I'm the worst, you're very good looking, I'm not attractive. All right, as long as we're willing to admit that, now let's start up episode eight of the podcast. Putters, podcasting about our happy place. Two who just tap, tap, tap it in. Guys that have had a clown hole get the best of us at least once. That's us. I'm Tom, sometimes known as Mr. T. My wife and I run a mini golf design endeavor and resource called A Couple of Putts. Find our course reviews and putting creations at a couple of putts.com on social media at a couple of putts. We consult and work on courses, so reach out if you're interested in building a public course or it's just something in your backyard. And I'm Pat, and in mini golf circles, I'm known as the Putting Penguin. I run the mini golf course review website and social media conglomerate, the Putting Penguin. I'm also a competitive mini golfer, having played in over 60 tournaments. This year, we took our talents to a podcast after spending 2020 live streaming We're Gonna Need a Bigger Windmill, our Facebook show that covered the US season two of Holy Moly, along with other mini golf topics. You can find that show in the archives of our respective websites. Due to the wonders of technology, we started our run of this podcast recapping the Australian Holy Moly season one, as well as the entire realm of mini golf across the world. We know and love Holy Moly from both our personal experiences and enjoying watching the seasons in both the US and in Australia. The Holy Moly course is like nothing else, and we can't help but to go back to that fun and happy place each week when we watch the episodes. Happy to share some tips and provide some insider perspective. Also consider trying out for the show. I know if we both could compete again, we definitely would. This episode's theme was brains versus bronze, and spoiler, one of them ends up being the winner. If you want to avoid other spoilers or behind-the-scenes talk, skip ahead now. However, if you're all in and want to see some visuals for the show after listening to the episode, check out Podcast Mini on the socials. Thanks to Rob Frost. Hey, Rob, for continuing to help us dial in our audio recordings. We're both recording remotely and quickly finding our groove as we try to work through all the Australian episodes. We appreciate you joining us and hope you enjoy the episodes. Before we jump in the holy moly, we wanted to share a little news from the world of mini golf. I'm up first. And I'm going to tell you about a new nine-hole course at Fort Buchanan Child Youth Center, which is designed to help give military families a break from their hectic life and give them a chance to enjoy something together. This is one of many community-related miniature golf courses we've seen pop up across the country and really around the world, as different organizations look for new ways to engage the community and reuse otherwise unproductive spaces. My news is related tangentially to the filming of Holy Moly in the United States, which takes place not too far from Santa Clarita, California. Those that have been out there know the one main mini golf course in the area is Mountasia. I had the opportunity to play that in 2019 as well as 2020. And I know Pat also played it in 2019 when he got a night off of filming because he was able to get through his first round really well. As Pat also knows, Mountasia's turf could use a little bit of work and is not in the best shape in the world. It's a fun little mini golf course, but fortunately, the course has changed owners and it looks like within the next year, it's going to be remodeled. The only thing that I feel bad for is for all of those people that will be filming for Holy Moly for season three, which will probably be happening right around the time 
when we get this episode out in the world. Hopefully they leave it open long enough for those of you on off nights that you can go out and putt and practice. Yes, good luck, y'all. A very memorable night in 2019 where we actually had the opportunity to play with one of the episode winners, Molly, because she too had was fortunate enough to win her holes and actually went on to win her entire episode. So nice night, even if it was a uh, course that needed a little bit of work. And now on to holy moly. Some general notes on the Aussie version of this show before we do our recap. There's eight competitors who go head to head in a bracket one hole tournament with each match held on a different hole. This episode, we have no distractor given they were looking for one brain versus one brawn in the final, so no third wheel to tag along. The winner takes home a gold putter, a green plaid jacket, and a chance at the super final for $100,000 Australian, which is about $75,000 US. Since you're listening, don't forget to subscribe and give us a hole-in-one rating. And with that, let's head to the holy moly scramble time and our recap of the matchups. But the plank starts off this episode and we have Jacinta, who has been a vegan for five years and is a trainer and doesn't let you forget that she's a vegan. If you follow her on social media, you'll see that she's that person on social media that you probably follow, that everything is about being vegan and about training in kind of an annoying way, but she's in great shape. And she goes against Angie Sippel, who is a stunt person. On butt the plank, we have Dicko who's chipping the ball over the water, and Jacinta goes first, and it's about eight feet away. Angie, unfortunately, gets the two-eye patch, horrible chip over into the sand trap, is in a bad position before the two of them have to jump on the shark. Jacinta lands the shark tail, hangs on, and pulls herself up. Jacinta's not only the first woman to land the shark this season, but in addition I think she's the first person in either season two or the Australian season of Holy Moly where they land on the tail of the shark, are able to pull themselves up and successfully avoid a stroke penalty. Unfortunately, Angie makes a good attempt at landing on the sweet spot on the nose in the front of the shark, but lands in the water and gets a stroke penalty. Angie's already a stroke behind and in the sand trap and takes two pots to get out of the sand trap. Jacinta wins the hole on her second putt and goes on to the next hole. And for this hole, she ostensibly got a hole in one because no one's gotten a hole in one with Dicko chipping it over. So Jacinta has one of the best scores on this hole, especially considering that she landed the shark. Our second hole of the night is our first brains matchup, and it's Dutch Courage. It features Nick, who's a 29-year-old double threat with a commerce law background and a chartered accountant, which is equivalent to a CPA in the States here, like yours truly. Hayden's a 28-year-old aeronautical engineer who's ex-Air Force. He's using a jade putter made by his granddad, and I'll have to say a jade putter was a first for me. It really looked kind of cool. Unfortunately, neither of them can putt. Nick's first shot was bad, moving to the left and kicking off to the right. No shot to get through the second windmill. He also had no shot of getting through the first windmill as he got helicoptered into the tulips. He lays up the second shot, and then manages to fall off the edge like one of our previous competitors, Graham, did, which I think was in episode two. He finally makes his way through the windmill with both his ball and his body. Hayden doesn't do any better, going the opposite way and having to lay up. He tries to dive through the first windmill and catches it right in the crotch. His third short shot is ultimately just short of the hole and... Thankfully, there's no more excitement from him on the second windmill. But this leaves both of them laying four shots on the green. 
Thankfully, Hayden managed to sink his after Nick two-putted from his position. And Hayden's our first brain to move on. I guess I forgot to mention, but on the first hole, Jacinta and Angie represented the first two people that would be considered the brawn. We're on to our second hole, where it's brawn versus brawn on slip and putt with Nick Paputis, who is a bodybuilder, and it shows. He's got a huge physique, especially upper body, that Rob Riggle can't stop talking about at the expense of his lower body, which I'm like, I don't know what he's talking about. But anyways, he's going up against Ray Matson, who played rugby and it just like is built like a brick house and I guess went through a brick wall at some point in his life. I don't know if he was sober or not. Can't remember the story that he told, but I can't imagine he was sober when that happened. Like everybody on Slip and Putt, both this season and pretty much every season on Holy Moly, they struggle mightily to get up the big lubricated hill, but with good camaraderie and good humor between the two of them, they're able to get up once the ropes are lowered. Nick gets up first, and then Ray gets up later. Ray makes a great putt from the B position to get down in one, but he gets a bad lay off of a bounce. Nick, on the other hand, leaves it about a foot out. He has a great putt down on the other end to go in. Ray does not match him. And we have Nick Paputis, the Punisher, moving on to the next round. And before I forget, I should include this bit because I thought it was funny. Riggle asked Servo about being in Men's Health magazine, and Servo says, not once. And Riggle says, really? And he says, yeah, not once, twice. So Servo, a talented runner, has definitely, he's been in Men's Fitness magazine twice, which is pretty impressive. By far the best Shervo delivery of the entire season with that one. Almost good enough to make my Riggle roast later on in the episode. Also notable about this for two people who have played slip and putt and wouldn't exactly fall in the brawn category. We did not need the ropes to go down as nearly as far as these two gentlemen did to get up to the top of that slippery mountain. Yeah, there's a lot more lube this season, and I think in the U.S. season two than there ever was in season one. We'll talk about that next episode on Design Time. So now we're on to our last hole of the first round, which is another Brains matchup on Barbecue. So this pitted Polina, who is an 18-year-old Russian chess master who's being pretty much played up as a big intellectual and potential spy from Mr. Riggle. I love to say the stereotyping felt a little too strong for her, but uh, we're going to roll with it. And as she said, you don't get a dumb Russian. She was up against Tegan, who was a 27-year-old emergency vet. who's also been accepted into law school. Kind of an interesting pairing there. Polina goes first and she gets through the fork and kind of rolls it right up to the edge of the, the napkin blanket we have on this hole. She tries to go the prong route, can't hang on. Tegan's up next, tees it up, gets through the fork, and tantalizingly makes it close to the top of the, the blanket. She goes for a ride on the corn for a couple spins, but really doesn't move forward, so they're both dropped with a penalty stroke on the other side. Tegan goes up and hits the back side of the cup on her second, but then ends up rolling all the way off. Best she can do is lay up on her third. She leaves Polina a nice easy layup and then tap in to move on to the second round. And we start our second round off with hole number two, where we have our slightly annoying vegan trainer, Jacinta, versus our fit bodybuilder, Nick. 
The hole starts out with Jacinta chatting while Nick is making his first putt on hole number two. You have to hit it past the toilets and then hopefully get past the toilets without getting knocked in. Spoiler alert, both get knocked in the water. Nick makes a great putt despite Jacinta talking and is probably about four feet short. Jacinta, on the other hand, hits the ball and has probably been about as close to acing this hole as anybody has been on either season. It was a little hard, but considering the distance of that putt, that was pretty impressive. It was right on the money. The pin wasn't there. Might have went in. Either way, both of them soaking wet. I'd almost forgot that despite both of them getting close to the cup, they both missed their first putts. Nick was putting from a really tough position, but Jacinta missed a fairly short putt. It puts both of them tapping in on their second putt near the cup and puts them into a putt-off. Once again, on the first putt-off, Jacinta is taunting Nick and really setting herself up for what ends up being an ironic finish where Nick suggests that maybe her putt is looking like it's a little off to the right. She misses to the left of the cup on her attempt at the putt-off after Nick had made it in. Jacinta, our vegan trainer, goes home. Nick, our bodybuilder, heads on to the final of the Brains vs. Braun episode. And our semifinal for the Brains was held on the hole that was pretty apt for science type folks, Uranus. It was Polina who won on barbecue versus Hayden who won on Dutch Courage. Polina goes first and actually gets hers in the channel, makes a really good run at the cup, but it pops out from hitting the pin and it lands about a foot from the hole. She almost gets over all of the planets, just shorting Mars and can't hold on. Hayden, on the other hand, he misses the channel and ends up way over on the edge of the sand. However, despite slipping on Mars at the end, he was actually able to grab onto the edge of the final hole and pull himself up, making sure that he didn't incur any penalty. So Polina sinks hers and puts the pressure on Hayden. He puts a second about two feet from the hole, but thanks to the fact that he's got no penalty, he's able to just knock it in and force a putt off. Two of them go head to head. Polina pushes hers just to the left while Hayden does a nice little toilet bowl to get in, win, and move on to the final round. And because we have no distractor this episode, we're on to the final, which is foul play with Nick, our brawn, versus Hayden, our brain. And much like many of the people that have played fall play, the person that gets it in the middle channel probably has the best chance at winning, which makes sense that Nick, who gets it down the middle channel and is only about five or six feet away from the cup after that first putt, is looking really good. Nick does fall in off the spinning log and incurs in penalty, which is going to be helpful to Hayden, who hits it in the right channel. The ball bounces off the chicken, who's not wearing his head. It's a great bit if you haven't seen this episode. Very sort of meta talking about to someone sort of disgruntled at work. With Hayden hitting it in the right channel, he's over in the hazard and pretty far away from the cup. But Hayden becomes one of the very few people that also makes it across the log. I will say him being very tall happens to be one of the factors that I think is in place with almost all the people that cross foul play. Either way, he's hitting out of the hazard without a stroke penalty. Hayden ends up two-putting, and Nick putts in to set up a putt-off. Nick makes the first putt, Hayden misses left, and it's all over. We have Nick, the brawn, winning our Brains versus Brawn episode. And I gotta say, Nick, the big brawn, 
seemed to be a really good sport and not too macho on top of being a solid putter. And he goes home with the gold putter, the plaid jacket, and a ticket to the finale. All right. Now that we've been through the recaps, Tom, what did I miss? Well, I think I actually missed this on foul play, and it was called out by Rob Riggle. There was a person cheering on Hayden on foul play that had the matching jacket to the pants that he was wearing on the show, which is a really good call. But the other thing, you called it out, but a jade putter? The only place I've ever seen jade is in a fine art museum. The idea of a jade putter seems very strange. And given how many people we know that have lost their putters on the Holy Moly set and all the excitement, that did not seem like a good idea to bring it along. Hopefully in Jaden's loss, he didn't throw that putter aside and end up leaving it somewhere on the set in Australia. All I could think about when I hear of things Jade is Mr. Burns asking for the Jade monkey in a really old <laughs> episode of The Simpsons. That's the only reference I have for Jade in my life. <laughs> yeah, that that's something. So now I ask you, Pat, what did I miss? I think the one thing worth pointing out that you missed on Jacinta's first hole was the irony of the vegan entering the episode through the McDonald's sign. Yes, I did make a note on that. That was so strange that she's just like all excited and pumped up next to a McDonald's sign. I'm sorry, no vegan I know would run through a McDonald's sign with that much excitement, even now that I think they have veggie burgers. So good catch. And now it's design time with Mr. T. And that, of course, is me. And we're going to talk about Uranus. And for those of you that play mini golf regularly, you know that an outer space theme is pretty common across a lot of courses. One of the best versions of an outer space themed mini golf course is at Hollywood Drive-In at Universal Studios. They have the invaders from Planet Pot, and it's a really fun course. But in addition to that, A lot of the classic Goonie golf courses and just the 50s and 60s courses just have a big rocket ship in the middle of the course as one of the main obstacles. As far as Uranus goes, the hole is a massive structure that's about a 30-foot tall replica of the planet Uranus. Around it, there is a massive arc at about a 33-degree angle that you hit the ball uphill and around to the other side where there's a channel that you can get in that in season one, people use to get all in one. In this season, people have used it, but the momentum of the ball coming out of the channel really hasn't gone in for a hole in one. It creates a much more golf-esque hole than you'll ever see likely on a mini golf course. It has a massive scale as far as the putting goes and really requires a good hit to get up. The way that this hole plays and the name carries over from a hole of the same name, Uranus, in season two of Holy Moly, but this whole concept in general carries all the way back over from season one in the United States in a little hole called Arc de Tree Golf. It was a Paris-themed hole that had a massive arc where you had to jump across these little pads like your Mario and Super Mario Brothers to get to your ball before a guillotine drops down. Instead of just jumping across a number of pads on Uranus, both in the US and Australian versions, you jump across a series of planets, starting with Earth, moving to Saturn, then over to Jupiter, then over to Mars. 
The big difference between the U.S. seasons are that all of the globes that you jump from in the United States version were more or less upright. Australian version of Holy Moly, Saturn was at an angle. Then even more challenging is that Mars was bouncing back and forth, almost like a small version of those wipeout balls. And part of the reason that I'm discussing this whole of this episode is because it's the only time this season, spoiler alert, that Uranus is actually accomplished as the obstacle part of it, where the person is following the ball to the other side of the water to get to the cup. Mars is the smallest planet of all the planets, and having it move makes it nearly impossible to cross. And the fact is, is Hayden only really made it across in this episode because he did a quick leap and then a quick jump off of it and happens to be really tall and pulled himself up by the mats. This obstacle had people flying off on their back off of Mars. And in many cases, they didn't even get past the first planet. It's one of the more difficult obstacles overall. On the other side of the arc, as far as the putting goes, there's a nice backstop so that even if you miss the channel, in some cases, the backstop puts you in a better position, depending on the momentum of the ball, to the cup. On the other side of the green, there's a huge sand trap that if you overhit or come flying out of the channel too fast, your second putt's going to be pretty difficult. Hayden saved himself a stroke penalty by actually crossing the obstacle. Anybody else, if you have your opponent that's about three or four feet from the cup and you're in the sand trap, you're in trouble. Overall, this whole what makes it really great is the scale of it. In addition to the obvious double entendre that Riggle rolls with throughout both seasons, it's just massive. And if you look really, really closely, what you might note too is this is the same structure that is in the background on Putter Ducky. And this whole overall structure is the one that's used on Surf and Turf as well. It's a really smart repurposing of the spaces, as I talked about with Dragon's Breath and Franken Putt, as well as Hole Number Two and Putt the Plank. You can only build so many holes and so many different spaces on this set. And I love how clever they are in repurposing using the water on this. Overall, Uranus is a really smart hole with a theme that's really common in mini golf courses. And I'm glad it made it back for the Australian season of Holy Moly. And we'll see if it makes it to season three of the US version. It's time now for our Riggle Roast and Best Bits. And I got a couple quick ones. My first one was Hayden being an aeronautical engineer. Riggle had a pretty good joke about what his job would have been called in medieval times as an aerosmith. It was a good dumb dad joke and I appreciated it. The other piece was when talking about Polina, they made a reference that she had been training for this since she was three. Now, no joke here. This reminded me of very famous worldwide mini golfer Olivia Prokopova, who literally has been playing mini golf since she was three years old. She has been beating me since she is seven years old, and she's been beating pretty much anyone on an adventure golf course circuit uh, from there on out. I actually cannot name all of the tournaments that she has won, but I know it is multiple U.S. Opens, multiple Masters, multiple World Crazy Golf Championships, and I'm sure a slew of others in her home country of the Czech Republic. I don't know if we're getting far along in the season And I'm just sort of like flying through the episodes because it's been a lot in a short period of time. But the only wriggle roast that I took note of is that Shervo was talking about brains versus brawn and wriggles like, oh, jocks versus nerds, which honestly, I think is one of the things that sums up this episode, which 
is why I kind of didn't love the theme. The putting wasn't all that bad, but the overall theme, jocks versus nerds, is maybe slightly better than the singles episode that they had earlier this season. It feels a little dated. It kind of does. It's it's like a throwback to competitive game shows that just seems from like a different time. I don't get the sense that someone like Hayden, who was one of the brains, is like the typical nerd either. He's like tall and seemed lanky and athletic. No one seemed out of shape. Yeah, considering he was the only one to best two obstacles, I think all season, right? Because he did both Uranus and foul play. Yeah, that's true. I didn't even make note of that. But that, I mean, that is a seriously impressive feat given how few people have gotten across on either of those holes. And Nick, who, in addition to being a bodybuilder, I didn't even mention as a golfer, seemed to be pretty smart out on the links and even a little had a little bit of a psychological game going on with Jacinta, despite, you know, like her taunting him, he was able to keep his cool, keep his head upon his shoulders, and on top of it, throw her a little off her game on her putt on hole number two. Yeah, real good competitor. We're at one of our sections now called Would You Rather? In this episode, it is my time to ask Tom something. Uh-oh. So, so a little bit of, uh, I don't know. Just a a bit of how you like to look at your scorecard at the end of a round. So, would you rather play a somewhat perfect round of 18 deuces or a round where you had all threes on the front nine but followed it up with all aces on the back nine? Same score, two different ways. I think that's a no-brainer for me. I feel like the way I finish a game is the way I remember a game. If I finished a game with nine hole-in-ones, I'm not only going to remember that forever, but I'll probably talk about it forever. I feel like I had a round like this out at Myrtle Beach with the O Street guys two years ago where we played at Captain Hook's Adventure Golf or whatever the name is in Myrtle Beach. I think I ended up with seven hole-in-ones in the course and six of them were on the back nine. And I just remember that being like one of the best experiences, even though I know I had a couple really bad three putters that I should have had in two and probably my best score. But yeah, 100% going for all aces to finish. How about you? I had to think about this one a lot because nine hole-in-ones is really tempting. And, you know, to you say to finish it off that way is pretty good. But there is something just so nice, especially on most mini golf courses that aren't designed for aces for having a clean scorecard. So not once are you like taking a bogey and thinking you've got to make up it up with the ace or you hit an ace and you're always worried if you're going to give it away with a three later on. I like that idea. I've enjoyed when I've had the opportunity to do it, but I would have to agree. Like there's not many times that you'd be able to say you get nine aces in a round, let alone nine aces in a row. So I would go with that one. Either way, I'll take an 18. I've definitely never scored an 18 on any mini golf course. That's 18 holes. So, or wait, that'd be a 36. 36. Look at my bad math. (laughs) I guess I've done better than two. I'll take an 18, but I guess I've gotten a 34. So I've gotten under 36 once or twice ever. I've definitely gotten under 36 in four and in, in nine holes fixing my math i definitely land on i want the nine hole in ones in a row and now big thoughts mini golf courses come in all different shapes sizes styles and colors and so do mini golfers it doesn't matter if you're ripped like our episode winner nick or smarty pants 
mini golf is for you. Find the type of courses you like best and get out and play. Ron may have won this episode, but it's no argument that when it comes to playing competitive mini golf, it's a thinking person's game. While there may be some holes where you grip it and rip it, most of a tournament is made up of little decisions where you need to outthink the course and at times your opponent. That being said, you can't ignore the physical. 12 hours a day of practice and as many as 8 hours a day in a tournament is going to put some strain on your knees and back, so you can't be too much of a slouch in the world of competitive mini golf. And with that, we're at the 19th hole, so until next time, putt when ready.